This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Let's do this. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm your host, Andrew Hustler-Patterson, along with the CTO, Michael Remus, back at the Winnipeg Sports Talk Command Center. And, oh, we got a great show today. Everyone fired up after that big jet win last night in Game 1 of the Best of 7 playoff series against the Edmonton Oilers. And we'll be talking about it with Ken Weeb of Sportsnet and Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com. Of course, we'll also look ahead to Game 1 tonight between the Leafs and Habs with Zeiss coming up a little later on. As always, Winnipeg Sports Talk is brought to you by our wonderful family of sponsors, Not Autocorp, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Cool Bet Canada, Breezy Bend Country Club, and Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge. Let's get right to it and welcome in Michael Remus and Remo. Uh, Got to tell you, that was um, <laughs> a huge win to say the least. No Dubois, no Ehlers. Everything that Coach Paul Maurice had been talking about for the last two weeks or so, it seemed like the team bought in. Limited Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl to minimal scoring chances and uh, get a huge win in the first game of the series. How about that? What a game, Huss. Uh, wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty at all. No, but it was not. Hey, it was two points, and uh, that's what you got to do in the playoffs. And a lot of people I talked to were like, hey, that was a pretty brutal game to watch, at least the first two periods. But you know what? This is what the Jets need to do if they want to you know, beat the Oilers and limit Connor McDavid. And they definitely did that. And I had joked on the show yesterday. I said... Hey, there's a blizzard in Edmonton on the day of the Jets' arrival. It's Connor Hellbuck's birthday yesterday. (laughs) Things are lining up for this team to get a win. And I didn't really believe the words that were coming out of my mouth, but you have to admit it it made sense if you're into that sort of thing. And there it was yesterday. The Jets, um, you know, the first period I thought was, was decent back and forth. The second period... Uh, not wasn't an ideal period for them, and then the Oilers score. You know, after having so much pressure, and you're thinking, okay, this is getting, this might get out of hand here. It's got potential here for a lot of these, you know, chances to start going in. Hellbuck was playing great, and then Tucker Pullman, he was on another level yesterday. <laughs> I mean, he saw it in the first period with the Pullman dangle. I uh, I posted that uh, GIF on my Twitter. A lot of people love that. I mean, he's not quite number two like Adam Party. He's number three. And then uh, there he was with the zone entry, dishing to Wheeler, going hard to the net. The two Oilers' defense had moved, you know, you know, moved out of the way like the Red Sea. Walked right through, smashed home a rebound. And all of a sudden, okay, the Jets are back in it. You got this thing going. I think that, that goal, the Pullman goal, was huge in, um, you know, maintaining the momentum and, and maintaining that belief that they could win. So it was an awesome game. You kind of... Uh, I think uh, Scott Billick tweeted that it was like a white-knuckle ride at the end. I mean, they were just hanging on. Um, you know, icing the puck and everything, but hey, they held on. Uh, empty net, you know, there's an empty net. Connor Shafey Wheeler are all over. I mean, Wheeler dropping the shoulder, uh, you know, going hard to the to that empty net. That was a power move on an, on the empty net. And uh, hey, that you was know awesome. what? Make sure it gets there. And I'll tell you what, Kyle Connor wasn't missing that one. I mean, he literally hit the post right in the middle of the net um, when he had an opportunity, and that was huge because there was still like two minutes left in the game. It was a brutal decision by Mike Smith to leave the net when he did. I mean, they didn't have control of the puck, and you know, maybe he was just you know counting on them doing it, but it ended up burning them, uh, and obviously that goal essentially iced it. Jets got another chance to put one in and ended up making it 4-1. 
which was just great for people that have, you know, Jets props for the series, or maybe they had them in DraftKings last <laughs> night. Hustler. But yeah, well, that, that, that is true. That is true. We had some ni- nice props that got helped big time by those two empty netters. Um, but you know what? Let's talk about a few of the guys that, that were the heroes. And you mentioned one of them, Tucker Pullman last night. Playoff Pullman is back, Kareem. And, you know, he missed a number of games at the end of the season. But, you know, the minute he dropped that dangle in the first period and we saw the way he was moving, it reminded me of the Pullman we saw in August against the Calgary Flames. And that was the guy that I think Paul Maurice was hoping he'd see with Josh Morrissey throughout the year. And, you know, there were some ups and downs for that pairing. Um, But, you know, playing in the third spot with Logan Stanley, another guy that deserves a lot of credit. Um, you know, those two guys stepped up huge. And, you know, what's amazing about it, Reem, is when you talk about, you know, you spend a lot of time thinking, okay, how much is DeMello and Morrissey going to play? Neil Pionk will obviously be playing a lot going up against Connor McDavid. But, I mean, Maurice was pretty much able to roll those three defense pairings. I mean, DeMello was 21-23. Morrissey was 22-19. Forbert, 21-09. Pionk, 20 on the nose. And then Pullman was 18-17 and Logan Stanley 16-52. So it's quite obvious that, you know, as much as we've talked about in the past that, you know, those guys have been sheltered and, you know, you're really trying to put them in chance to succeed. Both of those players stepped up huge. And needless to say, the two goals that were really impactful in the game, Pullman tying the game when they needed it so badly shortly after falling down one nothing, And then the stand bomb in the third period that was tipped in by Dominic Toninato. Um, you know, listen, I know Maurice takes a lot of heat around here, sometimes legitimately. Sometimes it seems like people are, you know, stretching things. But man, he, everything he did last night seemed to work. The messaging of the last couple of weeks of the regular season of what the team needed to do and the way they needed to play. There was buy-in from the club from top to bottom. And I mean, the lineup decisions that he made, um, you know, keeping Stanley in, moving Pullman in on that side. And the choice to put Dominic Toninato was maybe the most surprising of it all, considering he didn't even debut as a Jet until game 55 of a 56-game season, Reem. And um, and there he is scoring the winning goal in a very bizarre fashion as well with the 30-second delayed horn. Yeah, what a what a goal. And, uh, you know, we had kind of said yesterday, oh, Toninato's going in. We were kind of surprised. And I also said before, oh, Pullman's in. I thought uh, Ben was, was maybe going to play. And it was both of those guys. You know, it's funny how the two guys in the third pair D, you know, major contributions on the goals. I mean, Logan Stanley, we talked all year, his ability to, uh, with his, you know, big body, he's got this heavy shot. And he not only does he have a big shot, he can get it on net. And there's Toninato getting in the right position. He had played well. We talked about that, you know, in the two games at the end of the year. And the coaching, Maurice said after the game, was the coaching staff um, who pushed for him to come in. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't him and he trusted them. And there he was, uh, you know, tipping one in. Definitely a weird goal. Stanley had a good quote. I just saw him celebrating. I threw my arms up and uh, joined in. And uh, what a goal it was. And after that, they kind of just had to put the, uh, you know, went into prevent defense there and get kind of worried about that. But Hellebuck, uh, you didn't have to make too many spectacular saves, but uh, he was very good. And that's what you want from him. I I don't want to say he totally stole that game. It was tight, but the Jets definitely got outshot. But... That's how they've been winning games all year with him as the backbone. So uh, it was an ideal performance in game one. And, you know, to get at least a split in Edmonton, uh, that's huge. 
And, you know, it just showed you, I think the Jets have a lot of players who are experienced, you know, Nate Thompson uh, filling in, and guys who have playoff experience, and you wonder if that's a factor here in Game 1 against an Edmonton team that really hasn't done much the last couple of years. Yeah, you mentioned Nate Thompson. We've got to give some dap to Nasty Nate because he was involved assisting on both the first and the second goals of the game. And, you know, it was quite clear. I mean, five minutes left in the game, there was no concern whatsoever for Paul Maurice to throw at his fourth line. And, um, you know, honestly, you know, especially with the losses of Dubois and Ehlers to the lineup, you know, it really takes away some of the oomph in that top six. And we've been talking all year long that, you know, the Jets you know, come advertised as having such an incredibly deep group of of players, deep group of forwards. And that was before we even really knew anything about Dominic Toninato. Um, the ability to get the ability to get contributions from the fourth line, I thought the third line was strong as well in a defensive role last night, um, was huge and ended up really being the difference. And the irony of the entire thing, Reem, when we talk about the Jets' much maligned defense unit and the fact that they got almost no offense from defensemen all year long was the two members of the third pair were arguably the most impactful players when it came to scoring goals. Tucker Pullman scoring the first one and Dominic Toninato tipping in that absolute bomb from Logan Stanley to score the winning goal. Yeah, uh, and that's what, you know, asked Blake Wheeler about it after the game. He's like, that's playoffs, man, and you need guys to step up. And I remember, what was it, game one against Minnesota in 2018. It was Joe Morrow with the big game-winning goal, and now Dominic Toninato, two games. He's now a Jets playoff legend. Um, we're gonna, <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen this series, but uh, we'll, we will remember this goal. I don't know if anyone's going out and getting a Toninato jersey. There are a lot of jokes being made. Who took uh, Toninato in the pool, in your hockey pool or something. but uh, Well, listen, what about in the first period, the two-on-one Toninato to Veselainen, which was a pretty deadly scoring mm-hmm. chance. I mean, uh, nobody had that on their bingo card earlier this week. And, and speaking of Veselainen, Reem, um, you know, for a guy playing his first game, first playoff game, and a first real opportunity to play in that top six, I thought he um, I thought he acquitted himself quite well, strong on the puck, and, you know, did get a couple nice shots off. Um, you know, it would have been great if one of them went in, but um, certainly did not look out of place in that role, filling in with the absences of uh, Dubois and Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah, I agree. You know, we were kind of wondering, okay, which of these lines you know, is going to be the second line, which is going to be the third line. We talked about that yesterday, and I said, look, I think, you know, the list of Stasny, uh, Veselainen, and Kopp as the second line, but I think that Appleton-Lowry um, one might be, and they were very, very even. I think the Lowry-Appleton maybe slightly... Slightly ahead of Veselainen and Stasny caught, but Veselainen in that first period, he got it in and two pretty good scoring chances. Uh, the two-on-one with Toninato, and I tweeted, I'm like, who who saw this coming a month ago? These two on a two-on-one in the playoffs, but it was a great shot by uh, Veselainen, and I don't think we've seen that too much from him in his limited, min- in his limited minutes. And then he uh, dished one to Shifley and another shift, and Shifley was in front. And, I mean, he had a couple chances uh, I think it was, was late in the second or something. It was the two-on-one uh, with Wheeler, and he snapped it over the net. And there was another two-on-one with uh, Kyle Connor, and Connor opted to pass to Shifley instead of taking the shot. And I saw you favorite a tweet that said, this is why fans need to be in the building. So they tell the players <laughs> when to shoot. I can't take, I can't take credit for that. Uh, we, we were both laughing about that. But I think that was, you know, off the top of the game, that was the one thing that stuck out. We've watched all these U.S playoff games um the first period just seemed completely like the game had no feeling it had no it had no life 
But I think as a, you know, early on, I, and I think as it went on, you got more, more and more into it as the stakes became higher with a tie game close to the third. But uh, these games with the fans are a completely different atmosphere than these, uh, these lifeless games without them. But I think the Jets definitely set the tone. And I think what we were talking about was the number of hits. I don't know if the uh, guy counting the hits was just like hitting the button for everything. <laughs> but that, the like numbers were a little weird. First, halfway through the first period, the Jets <clears throat> had 15 hits. Uh, I don't know. The, I have, the, have it up here. The total, they finished with 63, I think, which was like 20 more than their yeah. previous high of the regular season. Uh, but they came out hitting. They knew they needed to be physical. They needed to play the Oilers in a different style. And they did that, uh, you know, combined with some solid goaltending from Connor Hellebuck. And you know, in particular, and Maurice talked about this after the game, where Hellebuck was the best, uh, was right in front of the net in the blue paint. The Oilers were better than the Jets at getting pucks to that area. That's certainly going to be something that I think Winnipeg is going to want to improve next game. Uh, but again, Hellebuck was the man, the birthday boy, making 32 saves on 33 shots, getting the win. Um, shout out to everybody in chat. It is popping already. We can see everybody fired up. Give us your thoughts on last night's game in the chat. We'll get to some of those a little bit later on. Oh, I see DQ Nick's here. What up, Nick? Great to see you. And Andrew Halaiko, Kevin O claims that he has Toninato and Pullman in his playoff pool. I will have to see that to believe it. Although uh, no if one anyone, if anyone, if anyone may have gone off the board. I could see Kevin O being that guy that would do it. Steve Drager, oh, thinking about a DQ cake. Yes, a DQ cake would be wonderful to celebrate. Uh, make sure you get those at Nick and Nicky's. We'll uh, let you know about that a little bit later on. All right, we are going to have Mike Seisberger come up in just a second. As always, we're brought to you by Not Autocorp. Why not get into the vehicle of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? And they'll even help you can uh, sell your present vehicle if you'd like with their very successful consignment program. Find out more online at not.ca or pop by and check out all the incredible Teslas, the vehicles on the lot, and more on what they can offer you, as well as body repair, cleaning. They do it all at Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery. And online at not.ca. And I know many of you are fired up. Big win last night. I know we're not really out partying. We've got some bad news today on the virus, which means we're probably all staying home for the next little while. However, it doesn't mean you can't rock your whites. Pop down to Royal Sports. Get ready for what will hopefully be a long playoff run for the Winnipeg Jets. Tons of Jets merch, as well as the rest of the National Hockey League, Blue Bombers, NFL, and camping, bikes, skateboarding. You name it when it comes to outside activities you can literally do everything and pick it up at royal sports 650 rallying ek and 750 pembina highway and i'll give a shout out to our friends nick and nikki as we mentioned steve drager's thinking about a dq cake you know what you can get one order in advance hook them up on instagram at dq manitoba and uh, whether you're thinking about the saint anne's location dq polo park dq out in niverville or their flagship Northgate uh, location. They'll be able to set you up. And congratulations again to iPhone Benj, who won the DQ cake yesterday on the first ever Winnipeg Sports Talk Wheel of Fortune spin. Um, and I think we'll probably do something like that again tomorrow for game number two. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their great support of Winnipeg Sports Talk from day one. All right, let's talk some puck right now. Ken Weeb. Uh, hopefully, Ken apparently has just had a power outage, so we're not sure. We'll work behind the scenes to try to get him on the program later on. We'll see how that goes. We may have to change on the fly. Uh, one thing I do know, though, is our good friend from NHL.com, the one and only Mike Zeisberger, joins us for the first time on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. 
Zeiss, what's going on, man? It's great to talk to you again. Maybe Remo, you might want to hook up with Zeiss and see if we can get him going on. Take a quick look at the... Uh, oh, by the way, while we get Zeiss on, in-person hearing today, which will be done via Zoom for Nazem Kadri after that hit on Falk last night. Um, Kadri, what, I think a five-time offender for being suspended in the National Hockey League. Um, this is going to be a big, big fine. And uh, Leaf fans, I'm sure, sort of laughing. They remember this act from Nazem Kadri before. But um, that was an ugly hit last night. I doubt he's going to be available for the rest of this series. And we'll see what that means going forward for Colorado. That being said, I don't know how much Colorado needs Kadri right now with the way they're rolling, led by the big dog, Nate McKinnon, who had a hat trick last night in that 6-3 win. Um, we've got a number of other things. I was just going to take a look at the uh, you know Al, Al Electric. Kadri was a hit in the playoffs, which was not the same as Wilson's. You just meet yourself, uh, Reem, there. Um, but split, first mistake going to Kiwi. Hey, now, huge win last night. Second period was ugly from Binaural. I'll agree on that. And maybe not the entire second period. But when it came to last night's game, I loved the first period. It was boring. I mean, it was a slog. But that's exactly what I think the Jets wanted to do against the Oilers to get going. And, I mean, Edmonton didn't have their first shot until about eight and a half minutes into the into the first period. So, overall, I thought that was it was a nice first period by the Jets to get their feet underneath them and sort of gain some confidence at minimizing the opportunities for Edmonton. I hated this first half of the second period, and I think most Jets fans probably did. Um, you know, it was very lopsided in favor of the Oilers. That was, for my money, where they generated the majority of their best scoring opportunities and then finally did score that first goal of the, uh, of the, of the game. Um, and at that point, I think a lot of Jet fans were thinking, oh, man, here we go. You know, you, had, you hung in there for one period, um, but, you know, here now the, the roof's caving in. And it didn't end up being that way. It was about two minutes later. Uh, we talked about Nate Thompson, the play, like Wheeler getting in. And then, you know, Tucker Pullman going to the net, the place where you need to be to score goals, getting that rebound in on Mike Smith, tying the game. And it seemed like at that point, that was really a turning point for the Winnipeg Jets where they got back to doing more of the things they did well in the first period and, you know, spent a little less time chasing the puck in their own zone. I thought of the first line, uh, you know, had a real tough time. You know, they were losing some battles. They were getting stick checked. They had a hard time, even when they had the puck on their sticks, getting out of the zone. And that was a bit of concern, although that did improve as well uh, later on. And then, of course, you get that goal in the third period. And, you know, while... I guess there's levels of fire drill uh, in, you know, in your own end. I, I really didn't get the feeling, you know, in that, like, since the last TV timeout from, what was it, 5.56 until the first empty netter was scored was about four minutes. And, yeah, there was some icings. But, you know, the Jets still did a pretty good job of keeping things to the perimeter for the most part. And, you know, again, when you have zeros beside the likes of Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Connor McDavid, you know you did something well. And, you know, for all the credit that Connor Hellebuck absolutely deserves, um, you know, it wasn't like he was making, you know, you know, half a dozen five-star saves. Um, it's the old adage, what, big and boring? Well, you got the job done last night, and it really was. Um, it really was impressive uh, from top to bottom. And I know people look at the shots and say 33-32. Guess what? Against a team like Edmonton, that's probably going to be the case, and that's probably the way they're going to need to win, especially without Ehlers and Dubois. Uh, and as far as Ehlers and Dubois goes, and we'll probably get an update from uh, from Ken. Paul Maurice is going to speak at some point this afternoon, probably in the next hour, and we'll try and have some of that as well, uh, is that... You know, you you have this win, 
you know, maybe it gives you a little bit more wiggle room as far as an extra couple days to bring those players back, knowing that you've already got the win. But look, getting that win, it is time to get greedy. And um, as Mitch said in the chat, you've got to you've got to sweep both of the games in Edmonton so that you can get a split at home. And <laughs> it is sort of funny, but the bottom line is, is that, um, <laughs> you know, this team's been better on the road than they've been at home this year. Um, so what the heck, a great start. Let's see what everyone is going on in uh, in chat here about it. Stonewall Dave, Helly, big and boring works great on tip shots, seems like. You know, he certainly did. Mark Sports Video, 55, still a liability in his own zone. Uh, listen, Mark Scheifele's not going to be getting nominated for the Selkie at any point, anytime soon. And I do, I really like Wheeler's game last night. There were some times where I thought Shifley and Kyle Connor were maybe too easily knocked off the puck or taken advantage of in their own zone. And that's why at some points, I mean, I have seen some people saying, you know, if you maybe split up Shifley and Connor, um, you might be able to have a more well-rounded line and well-rounded top six. But it's pretty clear these guys are going to be playing big minutes and are going to need to continue to be better. I didn't like what they were in the in the second period. I thought they were better in the third. And um, obviously, they were able to get that win. So uh, it was a big part of it. Fritchie 101, unforced turnovers, the biggest con- biggest concern. Forbert, et cetera, tossing it away. There were a few of those last night. And that was... Um, that was certainly concerning, <laughs> I think. I mean, Edmonton's good enough that, you know, you don't need to provide them with any extra opportunities. And, you know, there was a few that, that happened last night that you certainly would like to, like to get back. But for the most part, um, well, it certainly didn't sink them last night. And the Oilers had a few of their own, and uh, the Jets were able to make the most of those with uh, with that win. Um AJ Stewart, Remus, has anyone figured how to get the show live on Alexa yet? That technology is not quite ready for us. I believe there is some sort of an app that um, that we can use at some point. Um, and we'll look into that. Probably shoot for doing that at some point live for the beginning of next hockey season, I would thinking. What does Sean37 have to say? I felt they were singing chopping at the puck too much instead of taking an extra stride to get the puck. Uh, and, uh, and yes, and the horn blowing for, and I would love to hear this from everyone. Fritchie just said, how pumped were you when the horn blew for the second goal? Listen, I, you know, I like everyone that shot was such a bomb from Logan Stanley and you heard it hit something and Toninato sort of reacted quickly. Like maybe it was in, but then the play kept on going so quickly. And I like everyone go, please give us the horn, give us the horn. And, uh, yeah, about 30 seconds later, that horn went and it was interesting hearing Wheeler, on the uh, on the bet or afterwards speak about it was that they had I guess got a chance on the bench to see the replay and were pretty sure that it was in the net and then the line came in to change so they went out onto the ice completely expecting to hear that horn go off and um, well that's that's exactly what happened that um, uh, was. Uh, good moment last night for the Winnipeg Jets and you had to feel good for Logan Stanley. I mean he had. Uh, I don't know whether that was his best game, but certainly would be right up there with some of them. And the ice time that he was given by Coach Paul Maurice, I think certainly uh, certainly speaks to uh, speak to that. Um, Remo, what's going on? Are we uh, any making any uh, moves with Zeiss, or uh, you want to get back in here and we can just keep on uh, talking uh, talking Jets and uh, going back and forth on last night's game? I sent him a new new link, um, but we're trying to figure it out. I'm. I haven't sent heard back from him. I think he came in and then we couldn't see him. So I'm not. I'm not sure. I don't know if he's in there. I can try calling him. Calling him back uh, in a second. But you know, uh, Ken Weeb. 
And to compound, Ken Weeb texted. He says he's in. Uh, I'm not. I'm not seeing him. Yeah, no, I'm not seeing Zeiss either. I'm um, not seeing him. Okay, he says that he's in. Uh, excellent. Well, maybe just uh, just phone him. Stick him on speakerphone in front of your mic, and we can uh, we can yeah. kick it old school. Maybe 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 to. you do that. Um, you can speakerphone him because then he can hear you. Yeah, that's you know what that's a good idea. Why don't we do this? This is a new. This is a first on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Just text him that I'm going to call him on the phone ring. Okay, and and we will do this. This is going to be a this is going to be a hack, a streaming hack. What happens when you can't get someone in into the, the chat room? Well, you uh, phone them and put them on speakerphone, and let's see if this is going to work here. But yeah, and then Ken Weeb was like, "Yeah, my power is out, so I don't know if I can join you guys." <laughs> and I'm like, Ken. Just park outside of my house. I got good Wi-Fi here. We'll be good to go. You can... So join room with camera. Hey, Zeiss, don't worry about it. We've got you here. I think the folks will be able to hear you. You can hear me. And we'll do it old school like we're doing on the phone back in the radio days. How are you? Good. It's just... Um, I can I can see the screen and everything. I went to Firefox, so... Yeah, I, you know what? At, at a certain point, we'll 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 do a test at some point beforehand and check out the uh, check it all out. But yeah. let's talk some hockey right now, as everyone's waiting around to uh, to hear from you. What'd you think of that Jets win last night? Uh, heck of a way to start the series, considering they were down Dubois, down Ehlers, and got that win on the road. Uh, for people here, the Stanley Cup playoffs do not start until seven thirty this evening, so uh, I really don't acknowledge anything else that's happened. okay now that we've now that we've broken the ice with that because i have to talk do i not have to talk like the ugly torontonian or ontarian ontarian is that how you say it but um i don't know anymore rob ford's got the borders between ontario and uh manitoba blocks so uh you know we gotta we're our own little place but no um you know now that i've got all my bs aside um, I was, look, I was very impressed. I mean, if you look at the way these, uh, two teams have been trending with the way that the, uh, the Oilers have stepped on the gas pedal, especially after that slow start to the season. And, um, you know, for lack of a better term, the Jets were going the other way. Uh, it's been, you know, it, it was really, really impressive. Um, you know, obviously to, to, hold uh you know uh to play the way they did uh you have to have great goaltending like the like like they did uh in color hellebuck but uh i just thought that the uh overall the team defense showed by the uh showed by the jets was very very impressive yeah, and I mean, Hellebuck's been a star for the team all year long, but this was a big performance for the Jets to be able to to keep Connor uh, Connor McDavid in check. I mean, you know, we've gone through this, and there's a lot of nightmare fuel heading into the playoffs, considering all the highlights that McDavid put up against the Winnipeg Jets sites. But you know, Maurice talked for the last couple of weeks about how they need to be a different team, play a different style, and embrace that style. And it seemed like right off the bat they did. I mean. The Oilers didn't get a shot on net for about the first eight and a half minutes of the game. And it was interesting hearing uh, my pals in. I went on Edmonton this morning uh, with uh, Dustin Nielsen to talk about the game. A lot of Oilers fans getting flashbacks about the Chicago series last year and wondering where was the McDavid of the regular season when the playoffs began last night. What did you think about the performances of the top Oilers? 
Well, you know, I, I'm I'm a little puzzled by that comparison because uh, if you remember, some of those games in uh, against the Blackhawks last year were were free for alls. They were shootouts. Um, you know, uh, fire wagon hockey. There were there were a lot of goals scored, especially in the first. Uh, you know, I remember that first game was that was nuts between the Oilers and the Blackhawks. Um, I, I thought that last year the Achilles heel. Uh, wasn't so of the Oilers wasn't so much that the big guns weren't producing. It was the fact that their team defense wasn't very good, um, and let's face it, their goaltending wasn't very good. Uh, I thought last night was a different animal. I, I just thought uh, the way that the Jets played in layers, um, you know, and that by that I mean once once a guy like McDavid or Dreisaitl gets past the first guy or the first set of guys, there's somebody else behind him, and then there's somebody else behind him. And, you know, making it making it more difficult for him to get through, uh, as I mentioned, layers. Uh, I, I thought that was more of, a, of, of, a, of an issue for the Oilers. And, and look, it, I mean, Connor McDavid is Connor McDavid. He's not dogging it. Uh, it's not like he's not trying um, to have success here. You tip your hat to the way the Jets played. But let's face it. I mean, I mean, yeah, the Oilers played played well defensively uh, too but uh you know they're gonna need and we've talked about this for a long time guys we've talked a lot about how the edmonton oilers need the supporting cast to step up where was yamamoto you know where was yamamoto last night where was uh nugent hopkins last night i mean we can go down the list um you know they're gonna sink and swim with mcdavid and dreisaitl but especially in a one goal game uh, you know, a close game like it was last night. You need your supporting cast to score. Uh, and if, if you need an example of that, look who got the winning goal for the Jets. Well, exactly, Zeiss. I mean, and speak, I mean, never mind the winning goal. Tucker Pullman scoring to tie the game up when the team was sort of reeling. I mean, it seemed like that they, they were under siege, it seemed, for about the first 10 minutes of that second period and gave up the first goal. Pullman to do that. Nate Thompson to get assists on both the first and second goals. And then, as you mentioned, Dominic Toninato playing his third game with the Jets. He debuted in a Jet jersey in game 55 of a 56-game season. And there he is scoring the winner last night. I mean, that that really is what the playoffs is about. Or successful playoff teams is, you know, having some of the unheralded guys step up and do special things when you need it the most. Definitely. You look at the way that, uh, you know, you go to the Boston-Washington series. And even though the Capitals are trailing 2-1, to one, um, the way that Dowd has played, uh, the way that Hathaway has played, um, the Capitals have eight goals in three games. And Dowd and ha- Hathaway have half those goals. They've got four of them. Um, you know, again, nobody would have guessed that, but you need that, you know, supporting cast to step up. Uh, I think that, you know, if we're talking a week from now uh, and the Oilers have been eliminated or look at, even if the series is, 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 is it's deep into the series and, you know, McDavid and Dreisaitl still haven't produced in terms of numbers on the score sheet. Uh, then you, you know, you can't help but pointing a finger at them because they're the ones that have to lead the team. The same goes in Toronto. I mean, if if Marner and Matthews and Tavares uh, go three or four games in the series against the Canadians and they're not putting up numbers, well, yeah, there's going to be heat on them because they're the ones 
that are looked at and relied upon and getting paid for, I may add, to, to score points. But, uh, you know, in a one game, you know, you only have one game to, to decide this. Uh, I just don't think that you can point your finger at those two guys this early on and, and say, yeah, it's their fault. No, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I think the Oilers, I mean, they didn't have a great start. And, you know, the Jets, to their credit, I mean, you know, they got 33 shots. I mean, how many of those were really in that area where you can score from? I mean, for the most part, and there were some times where this wasn't the case, they did a pretty good job at keeping them to per, the perimeter. Um, and that's a start. Um, because you can only do so many things right, and Connor McDavid will still probably get his. Uh, but for one night at least, in a very important game one, the Jets were able to uh, get the victory, and uh, we'll look forward to Friday night in game number two. Um, all right, Zeiss, Leafs, Habs, what's the vibe like uh, while everyone is still locked down? And I imagine it must be really weird because there's such anticipation for the playoffs, for this series between Toronto and Montreal, and yet it happens in an empty building in the midst of what's going on right now. Well, I mean, you guys saw it last night with uh, Winnipeg and, and Edmonton. I mean, you watch some of these other series, and you see that, you know, slowly uh, fans are being allowed back into the, to the arenas in the U.S., and you're actually getting some of that atmosphere that we've become accustomed to in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Um, you know, and then you, you watch, what you know, the game in Edmonton last night, the game in Toronto tonight. Uh, it started, starts reminding you a little bit of what the regular season was like. And, you know, because it's a playoffs, what the games in the bubble in uh, Edmonton and Toronto were like a, a year ago. So, yeah, you know, I mean, you, you're going to be stripped of atmosphere. But, I mean, uh, I prescribe to the notion that better safe than sorry um, until and until we get this thing settled uh, involving COVID. Uh, like I said, better safe than sorry. Now. If it goes to game six, uh, the Habs are going to let, I believe it's 2,500 or 2,900 people into the building. Um, but I will tell you this. You asked me about the mood of Toronto. If that series should get to a sixth game in Montreal where, you know, the option is there to let people in, I think a lot of Leaf fans will be uh, be a little perturbed and freaking out a little bit because, <laughs> hey, let's not forget, guys. This is a Maple Leafs team that has not won a playoff series since 2004. Let me give you some perspective on that. 2004, there was no the there was no salary cap in the National Hockey League, and in 2004, they were still using the center ice red line to uh, to call two line passes. That's how long it's been since the Maple Leafs have won a series. How would you describe the pressure on? the Leaf players, but also Sheldon Keefe and Kyle Dubas to, I mean, first and foremost, win this series and, you know, kind of move on from that conversation. But, you know, to, to win the North Division after the regular season that they put together. Well, I mean, they say it's not a factor. Um, you have to think that it's weighing on them. But, you know, I, I mean, they're pissed because of what happened last year. And then you, you look at some of the people that they brought in. A Joel Thornton, a Wayne Simmons, uh, guys that have uh, veteran leadership and pedigree. And, and I mean, I did a one-on-one with, with Jumbo Joe yesterday. And, you know, I asked him about the pressure. And, you know, he's from St. Thomas, which is a couple hours from Toronto. He understands the pressure of being a Toronto Maple Leaf. And uh, it, it just was 
uh, you know, you look, you look at it and, and you say, he just, he understands that there's pressure, but he says, I don't care about the pressure. That was yesterday. We're looking towards tomorrow. So I think what some of these veteran voices are trying to instill uh, in the Maple Leafs dressing room is that, you know what, instead of worrying about history, let's make our own history. Whether they do that remains to be seen. I mean, this is a very talented core, uh, obviously, with Marner and Matthews and Nylander and Riley, uh, Tavares. But, you know, what have you won for me lately? That's what people in this, in you know, in Leafs Nation are asking. And the bottom line is they haven't won anything. Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Leafs are obviously a heavy favorite. How much of a shot do you give the Habs in the series? Well, you know what? How how much different is it last year when the Habs went up against uh, Sidney Crosby and of Jenny Malkin and Chris Letang and Matt Murray um, in the bubble? And, you know, they were upset. Uh, it can happen. I, I think this Leaf team and some of the guys that I talked about, Bogosian and Thornton and, and, and uh, Nick Foligno, I think was a great tra- uh, trade deadline acquisition. Um, the one difference about this team is I think they can play more flexible in that if the game gets physical, I, I think they have pushback there. But uh, to me, uh, if for the Montreal Canadiens, there's two, two keys if they're going to win. Number one is like a two-foot putt that even I could make, uh, you know, one out of every ten times. And that would be Carey Price. I mean, in his career, we've seen that he can win series almost on his own. Uh, the caveat here being uh, Carey Price has been out for a while, uh, you know, with that concussion. Uh, so how is he going to play? Is he going to be able to step in and uh, be the Carey Price that we, we've, we've seen in the past? You know, none of us knows until the, until the game starts. The other thing is you've got a Montreal team with Brendan Gallagher and Corey Perry and Josh Anderson, okay? They might as well put you know, state claims to the, to the, to the area uh, outside the blue paint uh, or sometimes in the blue paint in front of the Toronto net. I think they're going to create a lot of havoc in there and how the Maple Leafs deal with that uh, is going to play a big role in how, how this series unfolds because uh, you know, the Canadians talent wise, uh, especially on offense, uh, you know, they're nowhere near the Maple Leafs. So they're going to have to score those dirty, grimy goals, which all teams have to in the playoffs. Um, but like I said, how the Leafs deal with these guys, I mean, you guys you guys are, are out west enough. You've seen enough of Corey Perry over the years. Huh. This guy is going to do anything and everything to piss off uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, get under their skins, and more importantly, get them to take stupid penalties. Where do you draw the line? I guess we'll start seeing that tonight. But I think those are the two biggest factors if Montreal thinks that they have any shot to win this series. Has uh, the Leafs found any life in that power play lately? You know what? The last, I would say the last five or six games, even though they didn't have the production that you might want them to, um, they were getting a lot of chances and they're very, uh, you know, they're such a talented group that I think sometimes they get, you know, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I remember uh, back when I covered the Leafs, when the, when the, you know, Hall of Famer coach Pat Quinn was running 
the team. Uh, may he rest in peace. He used to come storm, steaming out after a loss now and then, and he would say, we tried to pass the goddamn puck into the net. Well, I think on the lead power play, that's what they do sometimes. They have so many talented guys up front. Um, you know, they want to get a 10 from the Russian judge for artistic merit. That doesn't, you know, that doesn't work in hockey. I talked about the dirty goals. They got to get the puck uh, to the net uh, where there's bodies in front. That's how you're going to score. As long as they keep trying to make these fancy passes and stay to the perimeter, uh, I think it's going to be, uh, you know, a long, long series for the least power play. But like I said, the last five or six games of the season, you may not have, uh, you know, translated on the score sheet, but I think they were concentrating on doing that more and more. Hey, Zeiss, before we go, uh, what's impressed you the most from the series we've seen so far south of the border? Uh, there's a there's a lot of things to say. You know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say Brad Marchand, um, the guy that everybody loves to hate, uh, because you know you know how pesky he is. Uh, you know how much of a pain in the bleep he is. You know that sometimes uh, he can be dirty. But man, you know what? That guy will go in there and take a shot at somebody and there'll be a scrum and he'll get punched in the face or he'll get a stupid penalty and you're going, oh, okay, here we go. He's such a detriment. And then he'll go out and just, you know, he does things with the puck that you just, you're just amazed by. And more importantly, you know, I don't think through the three games that the Bruins have outplayed the Capitals. I mean, we've had three overtime games, so nobody's outplaying anybody. But Marshawn just gets, is that kind of adrenaline flow that gets the Bruins going. And, um, you know, it's that old saying that uh, every team in the in the National Hockey League hates Brad Marshawn until he joins your team. So, for for me, and that's a series that I've been watching closely. I, I think that uh, Brad Marchand has been the heartbeat of the Boston Bruins, and and is a big reason why they're up two to one in that series. Zeiss, it's been great catching up. You are the first ever phone interview on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. We will get you back on very soon. We'll try and make sure the video works. But it was great to catch up with you, my friend. And thanks so much for doing this. Hey, thanks, guys. And anybody that's ever seen my mug before, I'm not sure you want the video to work. So, uh, but, uh, you know, thank you very much for uh, having me on. And uh, all the best to all my friends in Winnipeg. Stay healthy. And I hope to come on very soon. Right on, Zeiss. Thanks so much. There he is, Mike Zeisberger of NHL.com. You know, a little impromptu um, tech fix. And I think we pulled it off. Remo, uh, that, I was looking at the chat. Everyone seemed to be enjoying our chat with Mike Zeisberger. I think uh, that was making the best of an unfortunate situation. Yeah, he made a good joke at the end. says, uh, if you've seen my face, I don't think you want me on video. So taking poking fun at himself. Uh, worked out awesome. Sounded good. Um, you know, holding the phone into the microphone. I had my doubts going in, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. And, and it sounded good. So, uh, And he had good information as well. Zeiss, Zeiss is always great to hear from. Um, so, you know, uh, next time we'll do some uh, troubleshooting uh, beforehand, but uh, I would love to get him back on. Uh, that, that was a lot of fun. I, I love his, jo- his joke off the top saying, what do you mean? The playoffs don't start tonight until 
seven thirty Eastern. Uh, he's an absolute beauty. And I did see. I think it was videos of Reddit who <laughs> tweeted out that Zeiss Zeiss's picture looks like a bouncer from a '90s action movie <laughs> a bar bouncer. There was a few other beauties about a potential wrestling manager as well. Uh, but anyway, Zeiss has been a great friend of ours for a long, long time. It was great to have him on the program and. Um, of course, he'll be all over the Stanley Cup playoffs at NHL.com, uh, both with this series that begins tonight, Jets, Oilers, as well as everything else happening around the uh, around the league. Remo, what's the uh, what's the Saint Vital power update right now? Uh, how are we looking for one Ken Weeb, Weeb's world? And Ken says he's going to do it off his phone. He's got a ring light and some Wi-Fi, so uh, we'll see how it goes. We'll, we'll see about Ken. Excellent, excellent. Now, is he going to come on now, or is he going to come on after Maurice, and we're going to be uh, just hanging out here with everyone in the chat? I think and talking. He, I think Ken's going to come on after. I think he's going to come on after. So, uh. okay. Well, we're going to have a little bit of extra time, then, folks. So, yeah. um, the m- mute gate. I believe. <laughs> I think you may have reverse muted yourself there. I, I, I yeah. I I know what I'm did. I, I'm an idiot. My dad's no, but- like. My dad's like, I'm gonna make you because sometimes I mute myself to the stream and not to you, and uh, I forgot to turn it on. So my dad's like, I'm gonna make you a light. So when you mute yourself, it's good. the whole room is gonna be red, and you can figure it out. And I was like, you know what? That's actually a good idea. So uh, that'll be when we can gather safely. Uh, we will be doing that. <laughs> Troy Stevens, the chat is devolving once again. Perfect. Uh, everyone seems to be in a pretty good mood right now. And uh, while well, it's a good thing, it should be right now, because unfortunately, uh, I believe 4 p.m. today, we're going to get some news on more restrictions for Manitobans. Um, I, I honestly, Reem, I'm trying to think like what more could possibly be restricted? I mean, there's not really anything that's allowed right now. Um yeah, just straight up stay home order. Like, do not leave your home for the next little while. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but that might be reality. It seems to me, Huss, like there's a group of people that um, you know don't seem to care about uh, the rules, and they're going to do whatever they want. So, how you get those people to abide, I'm not sure. But I mean, the bottom line is the hospital is overflowing. There's more people than they can care for. So, um, we have to figure out how to get the numbers down. Because if you, let's say you were in a car accident or you had some type of injury and you need to go to the hospital, you may not get care at this point. So that's why um, that's why it's so important. So we will wait and see what the restrictions are. The one thing that Pallister said today that I am waiting to hear, and you and I have been talking about this on this show, they're going to have some kind of incentive program to, for people who aren't <laughs> vaccinated to get the vaccine. They said they've seen other places do it, and we haven't really had anything here yet because there are people whatever reason, not interested in getting it done. So they're going to, I don't know what it's going to be. In other cities, we've seen vaccine lotteries. We've seen private companies like baseball teams, the Mets and the Yankees, offer free tickets if you get vaccinated on site. You sent me a tweet from a strip club in Vegas offering bottle service for getting vaccinated in a strip club. That's what it's come to. This I, is the best believe- promo, the by far the best Vax promo that I've seen yet. This is the promo from Larry Flint's Hustler Club coming up on Friday night. They're hosting a first ever pop-up vaccination clinic on Friday, May 21st from 4 to 7 p.m. The club is partnering with the Southern Nevada Health District to offer the initial dose of the Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson vaccine to its staff, entertainers, patrons, and the public. 
Those who get vaccinated will receive a Larry Flint Hustler Club Platinum membership card, a complimentary bottle, free dances from a vaccinated entertainer, (laughs) (laughs) tickets to see Sexy After Dark by Jennifer Romas, and limousine transportation, all valued at $5,000. The club is hosting the vaccination site to help promote the efficacy of the COVID-19 vaccine and offer an on-site amenity for club goers, staff, and locals. So there you go. The platinum membership card, a complimentary bottle, limo transportation, tickets for sexy after dark, and free dances from a vaccinated entertainer. I would imagine that this will be one of the more successful projects to encourage the uptake of the vaccine, Michael Remus. Yeah, so, I mean, that's what we're seeing private companies offer. I'm curious what the government will do. And there's people in chat saying, well, where, where's my incentive? I'm like, well, I mean, you already got the shot, so you should be, you know, you got that extra layer of protection. That's your, that's what you get for doing it early. So I don't know what they're going to do. It's going to be like a free ticket. People are saying Jets tickets. Uh, people are saying, you know, free Slurpees from Sev. <laughs> I'm very curious because... You know, you should want to get it, but, um, you know, they have to, you know, give people a nudge. So good no, for I, them. Good for, I, I can, for doing you, that. You want, you want, I, I can solve the problem right now. You want to get everybody else vaccinated? $25 VLT voucher. <laughs> Done deal. It, it, it'll get lost anyways. The government will get the money back and... There'll be a lot of people that will jump on that. So anyways, we're having some fun about this. But, um, you know, fingers crossed it won't be too strict. And I know a lot of people talking about golf courses. I mean, come on. There's been no transmission at golf courses. If they do go that, that's just, um, to me, that's a little over the top. But anyways, hopefully we won't be doing that. And we'll focus in on the Jets and Oilers and not the vaccine and COVID and everything else, although it's kind of hard to ignore right now it's, as well, things go on. It's hard to ignore when you see the other cities in the playoffs. have uh, Carolina had, like, full barn. And here, Montreal, even Montreal says game six, we can have 2,500 fans. And we're watching this game yesterday that is completely dead. And you're like, man, this game could really use some fans going on. I'm like, can we not get, like, 100 vaccinated doctors in there dressed in yeah. white or something. Is that possible? Can you get – Can I got some doctor friends call them up. Hey, like, get them in, in the arena. Show proof. Uh, show proof. Let's do something. But obviously – I, I would I love – you know, just seriously, the doctors, some of the nurses, some of the people that have helped, been helping on the front lines, um, they probably love to go. And, yeah, if they've been vaccinated, we can uh, do that. I, Listen, I think with everything we heard this morning, we're probably of anywhere in the National Hockey League, the farthest away from getting people inside a building to watch mm-hmm. playoff hockey, unfortunately. Um, but that is sort of where we are at right now. Um, so listen, Coach is going to speak and Ken Weave's going to join us coming up. We'll have much more as we continue talking Jets. But um, let's right now quickly. It's also a major week on the PGA Tour and, of course, Breezy Bend Country Club, our great golf sponsor. We always love getting into the hot topics around the sport. And, well, the hot topic is whether we're going to actually be able to play. Fingers crossed we will be able to enjoy some time at Breezy Bend despite everything that's going on around us. But one thing you can guarantee is that we're going to have a great tournament at Kiwa Island, South Carolina, for the Wanamaker Trophy and the PGA Championship. And right now... We've got three, four individuals tied for the lead at three under par. Aaron Wise has one more hole to play. And then in the clubhouse, Keegan Bradley, Brooks Kepka, and Victor Hovland. 
Um, Vic was a popular pick. Pat Greggy and I talked a lot about Victor on the uh, Cool Bet pre-tournament uh, show that we did a little earlier this week. And then you've got a group at two under, which includes our guy Corey Connors. Great start for Corey. He's two under through five holes right now. Defending champion Colin Morikawa is two under after shooting 70. Some other notables um, in, in the group at one under, Ricky Fowler, Tyrrell Hatton, Duffman, Jason Duffner, and Stuart Sink. What a year he has had. My God, you know, just about on the Champions Tour, wins again just a couple weeks ago with the sun on the bag, and now just two shots off the league lead at the PGA Championship. Uh, Max Holmes also one under, JT Poston, um, Sung J.M., Got a little scratch on Sungjae this week. Hopefully he can have a good tournament. He's there. So one-unders get you to 12. And then a big group at even par, which includes Bryson DeChambeau, Scotty Scheffler, Abe Anser, Joachim Neiman, John Rom, Pat Reed, and Justin Rose. So we'll stay on top of the leaderboard throughout the afternoon as well as on tomorrow's show. And... Um, Keep you up to date on that. See if anything uh, anything exciting happens. And, of course, keep an eye on Corey Connors, who's just one shot off the lead, still playing on the front nine. Um, do want to thank our friends at Boston Pizza, our wonderful sponsors. And every night is game night right now with the playoffs on. So whether you're thinking about one of their great game night deals, including the spicy pierogi pizza, the meteor pizza, and a case of 24 wings, or my personal favorite, the pizza flights with three different specialties, six-inch pizzas and three dips, all available right now for delivery and takeout. And as soon as we're able to get the green light to get back in, we'll be uh, hopefully watching some playoff hockey in the BP lounges, enjoying those pizza flights in person and maybe even with a couple of friends. Um, and, of course, Little Brown Jug, our great beer sponsor. May Long Weekend's coming up. I'm not too sure what we're going to be able to do, but regardless of whether you're at home, at the cabin, you will be able to enjoy some time off with some delicious Little Brown Jugs. Don't forget the new beers, the Hefeweizen <laughs> and the Summer Lager, both amazing. They come in the variety pack, a Little Brown Jug, and you can get it home-delivered right now, including the free camping mug promo, which is on until Friday night at midnight. Um, what better way to prepare for May Long than home delivery and a free camping mug from Little Brown Jug? Add 24 Little Brown Jug brews or more and a camping mug to your cart, and the camping mug is on Little Brown Jug. It's 17 ounces, perfect for your favorite coffee or a full can of your favorite Little Brown Jugs. And all this is available for pickup or home delivery at littlebrownjug.ca, the new website which they have just relaunched. They've made it easier than ever to order beer. They've got some wonderful Little Brown Jug merchandise available as well. And same-day citywide home delivery on orders before 4 p.m. It's available Tuesday to Saturday. Hit them up at littlebrownjug.ca. And the countdown is on. We thought we were going to be doing it on Monday. It's now happening. Happening next Monday, and that is, of course, opening day at the track at Assiniboia Downs. You can open up your account right now at hpibet.com and get ready to bet on Assiniboia Downs races as well as races from around the world. Remo and I will be going head to head with some daily wagers as well when things get going next week. Um, but in the meantime, get ready for HPI Bet. And don't forget, check out the Assiniboia Downs website. Uh, our pal Kurt Contois, Marshall Stretch, they get together 645 before every live racing night to break down the field and give you some tips before making your bets. Again, opening day at the track, unfortunately with no fans, is Monday at Assiniboia Downs. 
Um, coming up, Remo, let's get back to it. Before we've got the uh, Ken, uh, me, sorry, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I got to bring something up too. Uh, I just sent you this on on uh, on Twitter. But, you know, a lot of people has are, you know, you want to celebrate with friends, um, you know, the Jets playing, you know, used to you know, be able to have gatherings. I've seen a lot of uh, people have really good setups. Um, one guy, t- you know, you can't get dressed up, you know, in all white and go to the street party anymore. But here's one guy. I saw this on Instagram. Uh, shout out to uh, Winnipeg Wilden, which is coming up to one of my favorite <laughs> Instagrams. Uh, check this out, Huss. You know, going out to Walmart, full Jets helmet. I mean, that is one way yesterday to celebrate uh, game one of the playoffs. We're all fired up. Our viewership has been great. We're getting a lot of subs today. I love it! But uh, shout, I don't know who this guy is in a Wheeler Heritage jersey, but uh, I think I just wanted to take a second to give props to him for going out to uh, looks like Walmart and, and the full the full Jets Jets helmet. The, like the, the the fighter helmet just adds. I mean, you know, you'll see a few people with jerseys, but when you're rocking the white fighter helmet on a playoff game day, mm-hmm. you're really stepping up and. Uh, now, again, I hope he was just going back home to be with himself to watch the game. But that sort of spirit on the streets, nice to see. And, yeah. you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, you know, people really haven't had much. I have, you know, driven around and seen some people with the jersey in the window or, you know, some of the We Are Winnipeg stuff mm-hmm. around. Um, did you see the, the, the parade of cars uh, around the, the arena last night in, in Edmonton, Edmonton before the game? I saw that on, on Twitter. Uh, we don't have really anything planned here. I don't know if we're we're really allowed to at this point. But uh, here I can yeah, I can pull that, I can pull that up. But yeah, we're and I see a lot of people counting down until four <laughs> o'clock. If you're listening on the podcast, uh, it'll probably be after. But um, yeah, I mean we'll see what happens here. Uh, doesn't look like we will have any gatherings. But as you said, you know, Little Brown Jug does deliver, so that would home be... delivery. And I think I think we're gonna need it considering the yeah. news that's coming up at four p.m. So yeah, hit up littlebrownjug.ca. Andrew Haleko says that was Kevin O at Walmart. So <laughs> Kevin does have some some quite interesting uh, hats. So maybe in fact it was. We'll have to get KO on get one of the next couple. I gotta days. get one of those fighter helmets. I never had that. I just got the uh, I got the goal light behind me, which actually does work. It definitely worked after the uh, Toninato goal yesterday. It was I was sitting here and it, it lit up. It was pretty cool actually. Hey, let me ask you this. What were you thinking um, on that Toninato goal? I mean, were you like me just counting down? Give us the horn. Give us the horn. (laughs) I was like, if it went in, I mean, we'll wait till the next stoppage. And I was going, I was going, I was like, oh my God, they scored. Because again, they were getting outshot. They had a lot of chances and, but they were in the game. So you're definitely pretty nervous, uh, pretty nervous about the last part. But hey, they, I thought it was going to overtime for sure. But uh, there it was, Toninato with the tip. I'm trying to think of a good nickname. Uh, I keep thinking, like, you know the 90s group Tony, Tony, Tony? Dude, okay. Am I, I the only listen- one thinking of that? No, you're not the only one thinking of that. I looked them up. I was so did screen- I. I was snapping some pictures of Tony, Tony, Tony last night. And, yeah. uh, those guys are pretty old now, <laughs> which was something that was funny. I believe they do. I checked out their upcoming concert series. Uh, now that things are going on. But, yeah, Tony... Tony, Tony, which was Tony with the Y, Tony yeah. with an I, and Tony, Tony with an E. e. Uh, so yes, Tony Natto is the uh, the middle member of Tony. Tony. We Tony. got a couple in chat. Stonewall Dave and uh, Wayne Jones say uh, uh, Joe. People say Big Tuna. <laughs> I guess that's and uh, 
Some people say tomato man. That one says uh, tornado, the tornado. So we got a couple ones. I think I think big tuna is not not bad. That's a callback to uh, the office. What about Andy Dominic? Bernard, what about Dominic Tipperelli? Tipper, I don't, I don't know. We'll have to see. <laughs> but I mean, he's. I mean, as far as lineup changes go, we're waiting for uh, the Jets' availability to finish. But I mean, if Ehlers is in, like, does Toninato come out? How you say, hey, you just scored the game-winning goal. You're out of the lineup. No, or, no, I think Vess- it's Vesalainen. Yeah. You know, like if whoever comes back first between Dubois or Ehlers, I think goes into that line two with Stastny, and I would presume that Veselinen came out. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I think I mentioned this off the top of the show. I like Veselinen's game last night. I thought he was really strong, you know, created some good offensive chances, was not a defensive liability, and seemed to be, I mean, he's a big guy. He seemed to be ready for, you know, the the physical nature of that game last night. So, I mean, he didn't do anything to, you know, uh, expedite his removal from the lineup. It's all going to be about health and what's happening right now. But I thought he was good. But yeah, um, I think Toninato stays in. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, to be honest, uh, you know, and it, you know, it's a you know tough pill for Jansen Harkins, who's not in the lineup right now. But I mean, the fourth line was excellent last night. They generated some offense. They were not a defensive liability. And I mean, Reem, we saw in the last five minutes of the game, which would have not happened in recent years, Paul Maurice very comfortable to throw out Nate Thompson's line, considering the way it had been playing, to uh, you know, to keep the game a, a one-score game in the favor of the Jets. Yeah, that that fourth line had about ten minutes, and um, we do have you know, which again you wouldn't see before. Normally, it'd be like five, six, but he definitely trusts them, and he talked about that after the game how he liked them as a unit. Uh, we do have some news here. Here's a tweet from Mike McIntyre. Uh, per Jets coach Paul Maurice, there is a chance that Ehlers and Dubois could play tomorrow. Says the two extra days off has done them some good. And then he adds on, uh, they did practice today with a small group that skated, but still wearing non-contact jerseys. So Mike McIntyre uh, says that. I think Maurice wrapping up soon. We'll have Ken. Ken's going to, I might have to phone him. He doesn't have power. So he's going to do it off his phone. We'll see how this works. Uh, <laughs> well, if he doesn't come in, we've already proved that we can do phone interviews on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Wasn't expecting that we'd do our first two back-to-back, but if that's what it takes to get Weeb on the horn to talk about what we're getting from Coach Paul Maurice and everything else happening, we will do that for you, the listener. What's with all these power outages in Winnipeg? I had one in January. Our power's over for like a couple hours. It was during a Jets game. It was like minus 40 outside. We almost uh, almost froze, and I know my parents have had some power outages Lately, what's going on here? I don't know. We got forest fires. We got global pandemics. Yeah. We've got power outages. <laughs> yeah. Power outages uh, is pretty minor. <laughs> but well, th- these are the price the price that you have to pay to the hockey gods to get a win on the road in game one for an underdog hockey team like happened with the Jets last night, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, game two, I think, happy about that win. you got to be pumped, but... Uh, Maurice said they can play better. We know that they, we think that they can. And you'd like to see some scoring from uh, on a you know a score sorry scoring on a goalie from the top line. That's what they're getting paid to do. <laughs> so, but I mean, Mike Smith. I mean, for the most part, was solid. Hellbuck very good. It was just a, a tight game, and the Jets uh, were able to squeak one out and, and hang on uh, for life at the end. So I know everyone in here is excited. Hey, and, if the uh, top line if the top line doesn't score. But McDavid and Dreisaitl are held to zero. That that's a trade off the Jets will take every single day of the week. Um, and you know that's what they had last night. And I think then you're leaning on the depth of the Winnipeg Jets that we saw in Spades last night 
taking over and being, you know, a bit of a difference maker. So um, anyways, the coach sounds like he's wrapped up. So we're going to get to Ken in just a minute. We will, of course, get to the cool bet lines a little later on tonight for tonight's game between the Leafs and Habs, as well as some of the other games around the National Hockey League. And then, you know, we'll also, for those of you that are into the golf like me, at the end of the first round, they'll probably recalibrate winning odds, and you'll be able to get those tonight on coolbet.com. All right, um, we've done our little PGA update for Breezy Bend. We'll do the odds a little later on, but right now, let's welcome in our man, Ken Weeb, Sportsnet contributor, host of Kenny and Rennie, along with Sean Reynolds, and one of our many go-to guys for all things Jets. Weber, um, first of all, what's the power situation? Are you in the dark right now, and we're uh, just cranking this on the uh, on the auxiliary battery? You may have to, there may be some sort of a mic issue, uh, and who knows, maybe this is something that has happened, and we're having an issue with people, because we did hear Ken before, although this is a new setup, so potentially there might be a mic setting. Um, if we're going to have a hard time doing it, though, we we can always revert to the old school phone call, which in fact we did with Zeisberger a little bit later on. Uh, give us a one two one two, Ken. Let's see if we can uh, we can hear you now. No, no, no. Nope, um, still, I'll send him a, another link. Hold on. Okay, okay, yeah. We must send send out that uh, that link, and uh, we'll get Ken on right away. One way or the other, we will be talking Jets with one. Ken Weeb, as I mentioned, Victor Hovland, Brooks Kepka, Keegan Bradley, three under par at the PGA Championship right now. Corey Connors is minus two, and Mac Hughes is minus one right now. Just birdied his first hole. Nice to see the Canadian. Uh, let's see where our buddy Adam Hadwin is today. Uh, Adam Hadwin, geez, two over over five holes. Not a great start for the other Canadian in the field. Holy smokes, a couple big names, though, that did not have strong days. I see Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas were both three over par today. Uh, that is not what you're expecting, especially from Rory. And we just had that recent win. And Sam Birds has been hotter than a pistol lately. He's four over. Daniel Berger's four over through three holes. So uh, this course is no joke right now. And um, you know, we've see, even seen some guys like Cam Champ was 10 over par today. Uh, Kevin Na had a rough one. Emiliano Grillo, ugly, ugly score. So uh, anyways, it's going to be a great week. TSN's got the coverage. We'll be watching it all day. And uh, man, the, uh, the weekend should be great. Even if we can't go out, watch the golf all day, get ready for some big hockey games at night. And don't forget, Sunday is game three here in Winnipeg. And then Monday is game four, 845 start. I know many of you guys aren't too pleased about that. Um, but we are going to be live. We know the people want it. And... We can't go through Monday, even if it is a holiday, without talking about Game 3 and getting ready for Game 4. So we're working on doing a special holiday Monday show. We'll plan to do it at the same time. I think we might be having the dynamic duo of Ezzy Ginsberg and Drew Mandel of Illegal Curve joining us a little uh, on that program as well. Um, so plan holiday Monday. Winnipeg Sports Talk will be there for you. We'll break down Game number 3. And we will get ready for game number four Monday night at Bell MTS Place. All right, let's uh, give another crack at this. Ken Weeb, I believe we've got him. And let's, uh, this is the million dollar moment. Ken, <laughs> can we hear you? 
<laughs> well, my microphone is showing green, so I'm hopeful, Huss. Uh, I was saying uh, self-deprecation at its finest. Some folks would say I'm in the dark constantly, not just today when the power went out. But uh, <laughs> interesting uh, day on the Zoom calls here, Huss. Uh, potential revelation. Uh, sounds like Pierre-Luc Dubois was in a regular jersey. Um, and both he and Nikolai Ehlers would be under consideration for Game 2. I think, obviously, Paul Marie said he wouldn't uh, commit just yet, but uh, I think he's both possibilities. But, again, I also think to a degree that because the Jets won the opener, the benefit of having the extra day or two may be a factor when it comes to at least one of those players, especially with a back-to-back situation coming up for Games 3 and 4. But, I mean, it's the playoffs. Anything can happen, and we'll see what the morning brings. Um, so, I mean, just, let, we'll get to last night's game in a second, but the update is potentially Ehlers and Dubois for Friday. That would be huge. Um, what else did the coach have to say? Uh, what were you guys peppering him on? And uh, did he show any other of his cards or just still pretty <laughs> pleased with uh, a nice start to the series for his Winnipeg Jets? Yeah, not a lot of clarity uh, as the question that I asked him yesterday about the lineup. But uh, again, Dominic Toninato, I would imagine uh, anytime you score your first goal of the season and it's a game winner uh, you know possibility for him staying in the lineup but I mean we'll see what happens uh, uh, that's the beauty of the game but Paul Maurice talked about what the Jets expect you didn't hear a lot of celebration after game one of course they were happy with how they played for the most part but they expect the Oilers to be much better much faster uh, our cameraman Corey Blashell mentioning today that the nuclear option looks like how the Oilers will start we saw them together at times yesterday but it sounded like today Cahoon was with Dreisaitl and McDavid. So looks like they'll be going to that right out of the gate. And then Nugent Hopkins moves to center on the second line with Pugliarvi. Um Why am I blanking out on who the other player is there? Yamamoto? Regardless. Yamamoto, yeah, of course. Sorry. So that, that's their top six. For the Jets, they're going to need to be a little faster. But the key, Huss, they were able to clog up things and really not let McDavid get you know, get going through the neutral zone. He had one or two bursts, yes, but he wasn't as dangerous as he had been in those nine multi-point meetings and those 22 points that he racked up. So uh, I expect the Jets are going to have to be faster, but their template for defending was pretty solid, but they're probably going to have to add a little bit of offense because, again, as much as the Jets were thrilled to get a goal from Tucker Pullman, his first since March of 2020 and the first of the year from Dominic Toninato, uh, they're going to need a little bit more from those top guns they got the unsung heroes portion taken care of. And again, that's not to discount what that top line did against McDavid. They were very good against that line, something that had been a challenge for them uh, at various points this year, obviously. But they did a nice job in the head-to-head. But I think they're going to need a little bit more of a contribution from the top six. Now, having said that, I liked what I saw from Veselainen. I thought Paul Stastny played a great game. Um, and again, Kyle Connor, dangerous, and Blake Wheeler, once again, very involved uh, you know, obviously in that first goal by Pullman and then, you know, showing the burst of speed on the empty netter. But uh, I, I thought that that line did a lot of nice things. But McDavid will elevate, so they're going to have to take another step forward as well. Yeah, I, I, for my money, I mean, let's just forget about the empty net goals and think of this as a 2-1 game. Um, yeah. You're exactly right. They did get, I mean, the the deepest part of the depth of the Winnipeg Jets is what showed up and, you know, ended up popping those two goals for them. But Ken, would Paul Maurice not take a saw off? I mean, if his top line was not scoring, but you told him that McDavid and Dreisaitl weren't scoring, you're going to take that saw off every single day right now, considering the matchup, no? 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's why I say I think that line kind of it stayed under the radar, right? I mean, Wheeler makes the shot on the rebound play. I mean, Pullman did a lot of great things on that play with his, with his you know, exit or his entry, uh, nice play, net drive, all those things. But that play doesn't happen, Huss, without a smart play on the wall by Nate Thompson, a very patient play to get it across to the activating defenseman in Pullman there. Uh, again, I, I think Pouillard scored, so it's a soft, right? Basically 1-1 one, one in that situation. Um, but again, I, I thought that the Jets' top line played well uh, overall. Again, if they can be even, basically, that that's a that's the win for the Jets based on you know losing that battle 10-2 uh, in the regular season series. And Oh, you know what, Kenny? Remo, I don't know if you just cut Ken uh, cut Ken's audio. We'll get him to pop back in here and get this. What's everyone saying in the chat here? Kenny and Rennie is Winnipeg's fight club. <laughs> yes, indeed. And apparently, someone's asking if I would uh, sing happy birthday to Ken in low German. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know any low German, but uh, <laughs> I like it. Pat Kanuga, good tap dancing to Phil Huss, seamless. And Remus, I know you're pulling your hair out, but remember, everyone here is on your side. That's my deep thought for the day. Pat, thank you very much. That is very, very nice of you to put in. Hey, everyone's in a good mood today. At least Jet fans are. Um, we'll see how good of a mood we're in come about 4.05 after we hear from Dr. Rusin today. But uh, anyways, Kenny, uh, I believe we've got you back. Not sure what happened there, but uh, you just uh, you were still talking, but we couldn't hear <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mouth was moving, but nothing was coming out of it. And again, so it was our cameraman trying to call that got knocked me out of the call. So Adventures in Technology, round uh. 57 right now. <laughs> uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, another thing that stood out to me, Huss, I love the game from Paul Stastny. Really a good two-way game. Uh, I like the way that Christian Veselainen got involved. What we had talked about a lot, Huss, when it came to Veselainen, we know he has that really dangerous and heavy shot. But he hasn't found a way to get it off very often until yesterday. He was skating well. He played with more confidence. And part of that is when he was playing with a facilitator like Paul Stastny. And then you have Matthew Pearl creating that chaos on the on the forecheck. So I thought that was a... a sorry, not Pearl. Cop was with them. Blank, uh, you know, sorry about that. Speaking of brain cramps. Uh, I thought the cop was solid on that line as well. And then too, Lowry's line did an excellent job too, both when they were head to head with Dreisaitl and then in their, you know, going up against Kyra at times as well. Uh, the Jets forwards were solid. Their defense did a nice job. And sorry, what I was saying about McDavid, the Jets did an exceptional job of frustrating McDavid and getting him involved physically. You know, on one hand, I like the fact that McDavid engaged with Neil Pionk at the end of the first period, but at the same time, it sort of got him off his speed game and he got a little bit frustrated by getting tangled up with him in the corner and then in that scrum at the end of the first period and it kind of knocked him off his game so I'll be curious to see if the Jets can A, get under his skin again and B, find a way to disrupt his ability to get from 0 to 60 in a split second Ken, uh, I was <laughs> saying to a couple of buddies after the game I would not have faulted Maurice in fact I would have loved it if he rolled into that post-game press conference with his chefs puffed out, doing like a Vince McMahon sort of strut. Because for all the criticism that he and the team got over the course of that final month, he kept on going back to, this is what we need to do. It'll make us better. We are more prepared right now for the playoffs than we were a month ago. And a lot of people were like, yeah, okay, well, let's see. And they were. And then you combine it with the decisions that he made with Toninato going in, getting the winner. And the third pairing, 
Pullman. We've talked about Logan Stanley, the stand bomb that got tipped in. I mean, you knew, I, I almost tweeted this out earlier in the game and I regretted not doing it. Um, obviously when the goal happened that sooner or later, the shots that Logan Stanley gets on net and directs into that dangerous area is going to pay off for the Winnipeg Jets. And he did, but Honestly, for the coach who's taken a lot of criticism, um, probably deserves a lot of credit for the decisions that he made last night because I imagine that's pretty much the way he drew it up. Yeah, I think all four of those things worked out, Huss, right? I mean, you go from Logan Stanley having to win the competition in that platoon battle with Jordy Ben and Vili Hainala. Uh, a lot of folks thinking that Maurice would go with the experience of Ben in Game 1. Instead, he goes with the size of Logan Stanley. And as you mentioned, he's been getting the shot off a lot. And a lot of folks on social media saying, well, it's not a dangerous shot. Well, it becomes a lot more dangerous when there's a guy in front that's able to get a stick on it. Uh, I liked his game overall, Huss. I thought he was skating well. He used his feet to get involved physically. Uh, very engaged. He had a nice job of clearing out the front of the net. And the thing with Tucker Pullman, we've talked about this a lot, Huss. I mean, he's not best suited to play on a top pairing. But when he's played on the third pairing before, including in the bubble, as you and I have talked about a lot, he can be very effective because he's a, he's a very mobile defender he can join the rush at times and he's a bigger body he's not a big banger he's not a real physical guy but he can lean on his opponent and in a series where there's a lot of speed from the Oilers Pullman can be a very effective player on that third pairing and those two really meshed well together I thought uh, in that game and earned quite a bit of ice time for the third pairing as well uh, again when it comes to Tone and Otto uh, I, I thought we might see him at some point I was a bit surprised to see him in game one but th- this is the thing huh? There's a lot of armchair coaches in the province, and that's part of the passion for the game. And you and I sometimes play that role as well. But there's always a reason why the head coach makes those decisions. Sometimes fans don't agree with the reason. But in this case, he was absolutely right about Dominic Toninato being ready. But again, Maurice wasn't taking credit when I asked him about Toninato, yeah. when I asked if it was a coach's hunch. He said that's the assistant coaches also you know, giving their input on why they thought because of his skating ability, he's got a little bit more size and he plays with a little bit of more bite, gets to the dirty areas. Um, again, I, I would have liked to have seen Jansen Harkins in the lineup in game one based on what he's done over the last two years. But again, tough to fault the decisions. When, and not just because they won the game, but because of those guys, the way that those guys played. Veselainen probably played his best game of the year yesterday. And Toninato finds a way to score one of the most important goals of the entire season for the Jets. I mean, again didn't necessarily have to work out that way but again sometimes those those things that go into the uh, machinations of the lineup uh, there's good reasoning the coaches aren't just guessing here they're they're using a lot of information and input to make those decisions and again it's a classic case of Stanley Cup playoffs there's often that soft between the top six players it's those you know the guys in the trenches the third pairing guys, you know, Joe Morrow scoring the series clincher against Minnesota in 2018. Uh, you know, yesterday, Thompson getting two assists. And again, Pullman and Toninato scoring big goals. But it wasn't just about the goals for those guys. They found a way to get involved throughout the game. I mean, hey, Paul Maurice had his fourth line out in the ice with about 340 left. And oh, yeah. David might have even been on the ice. So, uh, you know, did that raise a few eyebrows? Sure. But guess what? That line was involved throughout the contest. And there's a trust level there. Uh, in those players as well. So it'll be interesting if those, you know, if even one of the players in Ehlers or Dubois is ready, who's coming out? I mean, does the coach take out? I, mean, I would have guessed Veselainen because that's probably the way that the lineup is constituted. But again, and that's not a, that's not a, you know, they're not holding that against Veselainen, but there isn't going to be an experienced player 
that can jump into that role. So it'll be interesting to see how that transpires in the next 24 hours or whatever it ends up being. I found the irony so delicious, Ken, <laughs> that we'd, we'd spoken all year long about the Jets' problems on the blue line and how much they rely on a couple guys and who's going to be on the third pairing. And then you get Tucker Pullman scoring the first goal, Logan Stanley setting up. You mentioned the ice time. They were only two minutes off what Forbort and Pionk had last night, which I think tells you all you need to know about the rising confidence in that group. And Tucker Pullman, it, it was playoff Pullman. I mean, he engaged... <laughs> bubble mode um and it was kind of amazing to see because he had had some struggles recently and hadn't played in a couple weeks and came in in a playoff having not played in that amount of time and had arguably one of his best games of the year starting off with that filthy dangle in the first period weaver yeah no doubt about that uh, and, that, and that's the other part the speed of Pullman is so important on the retrievals Huss, right because the oilers get in on the jets forecheck very efficiently uh, Pullman did a nice job of getting to the puck first and again, let's not kid ourselves, Huss. The, the, the first 10 minutes of the second period were not not the template the Jets would like to be looking for. Shots were 8 or 9 to 1, and they didn't have any zone time whatsoever. They were a little bit under siege there in the second period. But that play to activate uh, was really something that got the Jets going and sort of allowed them to take that deep breath, Huss. You know, good shot on net. Pullman goes to the net and finishes it through the 5-0 of Smith who we know the Jets have really struggled against this year with only scoring the nine goals in his five previous appearances. And the other thing the Jets did a pretty good job of was keeping the puck away from Smith on the times where they dumped the puck in. Yes, of course, there's still going to be times where Smith is active and is able to exit pretty cleanly, but they did a better job of soft dumps into the corner and keeping the puck off of his stick and having the Jets have that opportunity to get in on the Oilers' defense, which, although it is still improved, that has to be an area where the Jets believe they can try to exploit that with some extended offensive zone time. Again, Darnell Nurse has had a great year. Tyson Berry's racked up a lot of points. But the Jets feel there's an opportunity for their top six to create some offense and generate because, let's face it, Tyson Berry's not exactly uh, known for being a defensively responsible player, even though he's improving and Darnell Nurse has helped him. And again, we talked about Kulikov going into this series, and Kevin Bieksa pointed it out on the broadcast. Just seemed to be a little bit of miscommunication in terms of what should have been a switch-off on that Pullman net drive that helped lead to the goal. But that's created by a subtle play by Blake Wheeler to cut towards the middle in order to get a shot off. That created that confusion, and that allowed the Jets to get that net drive and the goal there that they really needed to get them going at a time where things in the regular season series had kind of been on, on the verge of going off the rails. Instead, they found their game and then elevated from there. Hey, Kenny, Troy Stevens is asking in the chat, um, what do you think, uh, does Mike Smith go in the back-to-back games in Winnipeg on the weekend? That's a great question. Uh, we know the 39-year-old body, is it could be a factor. It may depend on where the series is at, whether it's 2-1 to one, one way or if someone finds, you know, it would only be the Jets have an ability to get to 3 to nothing. But uh, I think that Smith is pretty fresh uh, this year. I don't think he's been taxed. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays both, but at the same time, if there's, we also know late in the year he was dealing with some injury concerns also. So, I mean, is there a chance the Jets could see Koskinen for sure? But it won't be like last year where if, if the Jets find a way to win Game 2, I don't think we see Koskinen in Game 3. Like, we know Smith only got the one start against Edmonton last year, I believe, uh, and then it went to Koskinen from there. I think the Oilers know their best chance to win is with Mike Smith. 
So I would expect they'd lean towards going back-to-back, especially because there's no travel. But having said that, I mean, again, Koskinen has proven to be a capable backup at times as well. And, you know, it'll, it'll depend on where the series is at, is my long-winded way of saying where, where it's probably headed. Can we with us, um, Kenny and Rennie, tomorrow? We'll get to that in just a minute. Um, anything else from uh, the uh, availabilities today? Um, and, and I guess, you know, beyond that, Ken, going in with, you know, a win in their pocket already. Um, listen, you want to get greedy and win both. Um, what Do you expect any changes or will the Jets just try to do what they did yesterday and do it a little bit more efficiently? Yeah, like I said, I think that with Drysdale and McDavid together or likely starting together, I think that that's going to create two things. It creates a, a tougher matchup against them, but again, it also creates opportunities throughout the lineup for the Jets to maybe try to manipulate some of the other matchups when going against Nugent Hopkins or going against Kyra. Uh, I thought Ryan McLeod was very effective for the Oilers yesterday. He had that really good chance in the blue paint, uh, but he kind of rushed his chance and Hellbuck made a great save. But again, the formula stays the same, Huss. Whether, you know, whether the Jets get those forwards back, they need to lean on their depth up front. Their defense needs to continue to be playing as a five-man unit, move the puck quickly and effect- efficiently. But it's all about what their forwards do and their commitment level. That That's what they need to stay at. I thought they did a nice job of not getting into a track meet or making it high event hockey. That's not how the Jets are going to win. They're going to have to win it in the trenches. They're going to have to be physical. They're going to have to grind, but also leaning on their skill at those times also. Uh, one other thing that really stood out to me, Huss, that I want to get out uh, on that first goal by Pugliarvi, uh, DeMello lost the puck on that nice forecheck by Dominic Cahoon, something that was sort of in the background. DeMello went over to Hellebuck after the goal was scored, tapped them on the pads and kind of gave them the old, that's my bad, they're losing that puck battle. And again, that that's something where you, we've talked a lot about accountability when it comes to this Jets team. That's something where Dylan DeMello knows that's a play he needs to make or be better on. But it's also something where he's like, you know what, that's not going to happen again. But here we go. That's on me. Let's go from there. I thought that pairing was pretty effective. And again, which is one of the really toughest matchups in the NHL, uh, DeMello and Morrissey up against uh, Connor McDavid th- for the bulk of that game. Yes, Pionk and Forbert got a piece of that as well, but I thought that that pairing uh, played excellent. And again, we've talked a lot about how the season went, a lot of uh, fans expressing frustration, but uh, Josh Morrissey's game has elevated down the stretch, and he's he's welcoming that opportunity with open arms. It's not going to go well every night, but he's given everything that he has, and I thought that his game is, yeah, the turnover numbers were high, but they weren't glaring pizzas for me that led to grade A scoring chances. I thought that that unit was very effective, especially after giving up the goal that they were probably pretty frustrated by itself. Hey, did you bring that Bozo Corey, the cameraman, on after the game for his thoughts on game (laughs) one last night on Kenny and Rennie? Corey was in the chat, and uh, we, we had to we had to keep him parked in the chat. It was it got a little bit unruly there, Huss. I have to say uh, things things went <laughs> a little bit sideways, and yeah, I know not surprising. Uh, but again, we we want that to be a, a safe place. We, we're we're happy with the friendly banter, but uh, things got a little uh, there was a little bit too much vitriol flying, and uh, we just wanted to, we got we got to try to get that cleaned up here. Uh, uh, for for Friday that'll be night, another tech sure. issue for you having yeah, exactly, somebody exactly. Uh, having somebody control the chat room. Shout out to exactly. Remus for doing a good job that here. I think we did have yeah, some we had a little Q discussion about some earlier. muting. Uh, Hustler, we had we had a little bit of talk about <laughs> Remus and I were talking about the mute button and how efficient it can be and sort of trying to calm calm things down when it gets a little bit under <laughs> out of control. 
Yeah, there's been all sorts of talk about muting on the program, in the chat, <laughs> on the show, all of it, Ken. Um, <laughs> tell us about what's coming up on Kenny and Rennie tomorrow. Are you guys going to fire it up again at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning on your YouTube channel? Yeah, yes, sir. We got uh, Greg Millen is going to join us first, and then uh, Craig Simpson will be joining us as well. Uh, obviously, Christine had a great hit to uh, his sister early, a couple weeks back. And yeah, no, it's been a fun week. We did a preview show, Huss, that was a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, again, the Legal Curve boys went a little bit long last night to give me a chance to get my writing done. And yeah, we're excited for uh, the 13th episode of our long forum. And, uh, you know, and congrats on hitting a 50 plus this week, Huss. That's a uh, a big, a big number, and we're closing oh, in thanks. on fifty shows as well, man. I mean, it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. It should be a fun uh, hockey discussion. And man, I, I know you talked about it with some of the other guests this week, but man, how much fun has it been to watch some of the other series? That whether it's you know, Florida, Florida, Tampa, or even to the crowd in Carolina. I mean, I've been watching that Vegas, Minnesota series incredibly closely. Uh, because Vegas is my Stanley Cup pick, but man, it's fun to see the atmospheres in a couple of those buildings. And uh, again, I know some folks don't like the uh, Eastern centric focus, but man, that Leafs and Habs series is going to be a lot of fun as well. So uh, fun to watch the playoff hockey so far. And uh, it's just great to get it going here in the North division. Let me ask you about that Leafs Habs series quickly, which gets going tonight. Um, I mean, obviously the Leafs are a heavy favorite. How much of a shot do you give Montreal in the series? Yeah, I mean, for me, I think the Leafs win the series in, you know, five or six. But, uh, again, Carey Price can get hot. Again, it's a big question mark. I think getting Brennan Gallagher and Shea Weber back, those are obviously massive things. But uh, for me, I just think that the Leafs have endured a lot of those heartaches in the playoffs here. And I think there's a real opportunity for them. Uh, This is going to be the first time they basically have their entire lineup together and available to them. You know, it'll be interesting to see where the pieces fit with Hyman and Hyman back and Foligno in and, can Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner learn from those playoff disappointments this year and push them forward? I mean, everyone will be watching Jack Campbell. But uh, for me, I think the Leafs are poised for for a pretty impressive run here in the playoffs. Uh, I, I think I do have them coming out of the north, but it's not going to be easy for them. But uh, I think they're pretty well equipped to handle the pressure. But again, we've talked about this a lot, Huss. There's a lot of pressure on a lot of teams in the north. I would say all four of them are under pressure. But only one of those teams hasn't won a single series since 2004. And as we know about the Connor McDavid narrative, that got a little bit tiresome for Jets players to talk about. You know, the best way to erase that narrative, Huss, the only way to erase it for the Leafs is to actually advance past the first round (laughs) for the first time since 2004. And I expect them to do so. Um, Ken, you are uh, an arbiter of virtue. Let me ask you this question. How many games should Nazim Kadri get suspended for and how many do you think he will be? Yeah, it's a great question, Huss. I mean, I, I know that there is a history for Kadri. I don't think the hit is as predatory as some believe. Uh, I think that Falk put himself in a bit of a vulnerable position because he's a right shot and he was a little bit lean forward. It's definitely a blindside check and it's definitely a hit to the head but I don't think he was targeting the head. I think that's one of those things that happens so fast in hockey where he wanted to catch him in the chest or the shoulder, but he caught all heads. So because of that, the result will mean that it's going to be a hefty suspension. I do think it will be a five-game suspension, but I don't think that this... Kadri's done an excellent job of playing on the line and straddling the line since joining Colorado. I know that was not always the case in Toronto. I do expect a heavy suspension... Uh, but again, I, I don't think this is something that requires a 10-game suspension because I don't think it was as predatory as some believe. Now, again, it's a terrible result, and there should be a penalty and a stiff penalty for it. 
but I think it will be more in that four to five game range. And it'll be interesting to see how that impacts the Avalanche. We know the Avalanche have great depth, but this is a big player that they're counting on, which is one of the major reasons why Kadri was moved by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, you know what's interesting? What you, what I'm, I'm with you. What, what do you the, think he's doing? I'm with you on the five games. I think he's done for this series. And what and listen, if a, if a first time offender did that, you know, he's not getting that. But I mean, this is, you know, he, they've got the, you know, he, I think Kadri might have his own access card to the <laughs> NHL player safety office with the amount of times he's been there. Um, but what's interesting about that is say he gets the five games. There's almost there might be an incentive for the Avalanche to have the series go longer because say they sweep. That means he's unavailable for the first three games of the presumed Vegas series or Minnesota, yeah. which um, is going to be one of the best series. And like that's when you really need Nazem Kadri. So it'll be fascinating both what the penalty is and, of course, not knowing how long this series goes, how much it will go into round two, assuming that the Avalanche advance. Yeah, no doubt. And again, let's let's you know let's give credit where credit is due. The you know the Jordan Bennington show was pretty impressive in Game One, but man, oh man, that Avalanche team is deep. We know what Nathan McKinnon can do. We've seen it for years in the Central Division, and you know the way that they came together. Landeskog dropping the mitts with Braden Shen after that play in the first game, uh, really show of team togetherness. Uh, their offensive game is exceptional, and the biggest thing for me has the Avalanche defense core has improved so much. We know what Kale McCarr has done in helping that cause, but a guy like Devon Taves having a massive impact. I mean, Eric Johnson's not even playing. He's not even in the lineup for that team right now. I love the way their defense is played. Uh, They've got great leadership throughout the lineup, and their depth is exceptional. We've talked about the Jets' depth. Man, Pierre-Edouard Belmar is playing great. JT Confer has played a lot of time in his career in the top six. He's a fourth liner now. So, I mean, that's a team that has depth and they can probably manage without Kadri. But you're right. If those guys go head-to-head with that heavyweight tilt with Vegas, they're going to miss Nazem Kadri. There's no doubt about that. So, again, Grubauer also, let, let's let's not ignore him. I mean, everyone is talking about question marks and goal. Much like Mike Smith was a stabilizer for Edmonton, Philip Grubauer has been excellent. Seven shutouts. I mean, his numbers were exceptional this year. And again, they've improved defensively, but they're not a juggernaut. They still need their goaltender to be really good, and Grubauer has been that for them. But uh, we also know that Grubauer has to make it through the playoffs. We know that the you know what happened to them last year uh, when they went a little bit deep in their depth chart between the pipes. So we know that Vegas has a substantial edge in that department with having Leonard uh, behind Fleury, who's basically playing out of his mind uh, circa 2018 against the Jets. There have been so many parallels to that. I think that Fleury... Uh, gets the the Golden Knights over the edge. But the Wilder, man, Huss, don't you agree? The Wild went from being a boring team to one of the more exciting teams in the league. I mean, Kaprizov is so much fun to watch. Erickson X game has grown exponentially under Manitoban Dean Evison. And man, that line with Marcus Foligno and Jordan Greenway, they're exceptional. I mean, I love watching the way those guys play. They're built for the playoffs. So I think that series is certainly far from over, but uh, it's one of the more exciting series out there. And again, there've been a lot of them and I'm not just saying that flippantly. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun to watch and it'll be interesting to see when Max Pacioretty comes back, uh, what impact that has on the series as well. No, I agree with you. And, you know, as far as you know, as far as the Wild goes, there's going to be a lot of Jet fans that have not paid any attention to the Wild this year, and we're going to get to next season. They're going to play them earlier in the year in the Central Division. They're going to be like, what the heck? Like, who the heck are these guys? Because they could not. It's amazing what they've been able to do 
considering some of the salary cap issues that they have. I mean, hell, Zach Parise has $30 million left on his contract, and he's in the press box right now. Um, They certainly are a different team. Well, let me ask you this just before we go, Kenny. We've got a couple games tonight that are very close to being Pickham's, Vegas at Minnesota, and Pittsburgh at the Islanders. Pick, give me a winner out of those four teams. Who do you who do you feel the best about pulling off a W tonight? Yeah, for me, Vegas, I probably feel the best about. Uh, those other series have been great. I mean, love the way that Tristan Jari responded to that game one kind of, uh, you know, faltering, if you will, late. But we know the Islanders are a tough out all the time. Uh, I, I just feel most confident about Vegas. And it's so funny how Minnesota was in complete control of that game the other night. Vegas having so much trouble generating offense and then, you know, they got the equalizer, but then it was the the goal after that dump in. That was just the absolute deflator. Again, I hate to bring it up for Jets fans, but that to me reminded me so much of game four, Vegas and Winnipeg, where Liney scores the power play goal to tie the game. You see the Jets bench exhale. And then on the next shift, Belmar has the dump in. Hellebuck doesn't handle it behind the net. Puck gets out in front to Noshek. And that was it. That was the series. Game, set, and match. The Jets were done after that. They'd worked so hard to tie it. They gave up a goal in the ensuing shift, and that basically broke their spirit. Uh, and again, I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen to Minnesota because I expect them to continue to battle. But I think that was one of those kind of moments that Vegas is going to rally around in order to kind of get control of that series. Hey, Weaver, before we, uh, before we go, uh, Corey Connors tied for the lead at the PGA Championship. And a love Canadian flag at the top of the leaderboard. Great top port. And again, this course is such a beast. Three under is the lead. And Corey's got three under through eight holes. So he could continue to move up. But Brooks Kepka, Victor Hovland, Keegan Bradley. Um, this is a beast of a course and should be a real fun weekend to watch during the day before we get ready for hockey at night. Yeah, no doubt. And, and CC playing so well at the Masters the last couple of years, uh, you expect him to kind of have a breakthrough at some point here. He's got such a s- steady game. And obviously we know the Winnipeg connection with Derek Ingram uh, working as his coach. Uh, he just He's so good off the tee, so accurate. And when he can get that putter going, uh, he can be one of the best players on tour. Ken, thanks for doing this. Uh, 9 a.m. tomorrow, Kenny and Rennie. And then, yes, of course, after... Post-game shows after Jets playoff games will go to a legal curve. They'll tag off to you and Sean, and uh, we'll continue rolling, man. The content is awesome. I know people are really enjoying it that are with us here right now, and we'll look forward to uh, – I know where you kind of been going on every second week, but we may have to squeeze you in next week as well to uh, get the latest <laughs> on this playoff series as uh, we get into the meat of it after the Jets game one win last night. Yeah, always great. To chop it up, us, you know that I uh, love being on the air with you. I love talking hockey and sports with you. And it's just a fabulous time of the year. I hope you have a great rest of the week and enjoy the tilts. Yeah, you know what? Videos have read it. It's like been 32 minutes since you last hydrated. So go get some water into you right now, buddy. And uh, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll do this again soon. Thanks, Ken. <laughs> There he is. Have a great day. Thanks for having me, my man. Um, and, you know, it's a perfect time to remind everybody that's with us right now, if you haven't already, please hit that red subscribe button. Want to make sure you're subscribed to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. You can hit the bell. You'll get all of the notifications when we are going live. And don't forget, we will be live. We will have no days off. Well, we'll have Saturday and Sunday off. But we're going to do a show on Monday in between games three and four, despite it being the Monday of the May long weekend. So give us a like for that and make sure that you've subscribed and also give Kenny and Rennie a sub and uh, make sure you hit up their post game content and what should be a great show tomorrow 
at 9 a.m. with Craig Simpson joining the program. All right, let's get Remus back in here. This has been a very fun show. The It's a great vibe in the chat right now. People are fired up. And as I mentioned, a great vibe for those of us with Corey Connors tickets at 75 to 1 because he's tied for the lead at the PGA Championship. But, uh, Remo, let's get to our cool bet lines of the day and uh, great, great schedule of games tonight. Um, we've got the Panthers, Lightning, Penguins, Islanders, Leafs, Habs, and then a little later on, Minnesota. The Jets aren't the only team that has to get that late home start. Because the Wild have an 8.30 start, which probably could end up being 8.45 like we have on Monday, taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, the Central Division is just too good of a time zone that um, they always get screwed to accommodate the other ones. So I know when I'm here, I like how the games start at 7. I mean, you're in the East and you have all these late ones. In the West, the games start too early. So it's it's really unfortunate that the Jets in Minnesota get stuck with these, you know, 8.30 start times to accommodate everyone else. So uh, I wonder how, you think in Minnesota, if they lose, they're going to blame the time zone or or no? (laughs) I don't know. We'll see if they do. It should be a great game. Vegas is uh, just about even money, minus 101. Minnesota, minus 111 for the game tonight. Pittsburgh, minus 104. Islanders, 108. I mean, both of those games are essentially very close to being pick'ems. Florida, with Manitoba and Chris Drieger back in net tonight. Bobrovsky sitting on the pine with his $10 million contract. It's Panthers plus 122, Lightning minus 137. And then the game that everyone out east has been waiting for, Montreal plus 191, Leafs minus 217. Uh, Yesterday on the Lock Shopper on our show, I did put down Leafs in regulation at minus 125. I like that, Reem. But uh, thoughts on the Habs-Leafs series and game tonight from you? I'm going with, uh, I I think I I agree with Ken, Leafs in five or six. I mean, we'll see how the Habs go with the injuries, but they seem to always play tight. But I think the Leafs, I mean, their depth is looking good. They're playing physical, which is what people were criticizing them about. Uh, this is their their time here. If the Leafs don't win the division, that's a major disappointment. I mean, win, you know, make the semifinal. It's not called the conference final or this year. Well, they're not giving out the Campbell and Wales Bulls, which is really sad because then we can't argue about who is going to touch it or not touch it. <laughs> I mean, that's the only reason why they have those trophies. So you can come up with hot takes on what they do at the end. Otherwise, no one cares. But uh, I think I like the Leafs. I mean, people hate on the Leafs because of, I don't know, their fans or the fact that it's Toronto and they get all the coverage. But their team, they have a lot of really exciting players. I like Austin Matthews. There's been some speculation as that he's still suffering from an injury. Um, his wrist is still bothering him from that injury earlier in the year. But he can still score goals. Him and Mitch Martin are very good. Neil Ender Tavares. I like the Leafs, so uh, short way of putting it, yes, I, I think they're going to take it, and they'll take uh, game one here at home. Well, as I said, a big favorite, minus 217 to win, uh, although if you want a better number and you like the regulation win, you can get them at minus 125. We'll tweet out all of the cool bet lines on our Twitter feed at Sports Talk WPG. Make sure you're following there already if you haven't, as well as our Instagram feed at the same handle. And if you want to get in on some wagers for the playoffs or the golf this weekend. Hit the link in our tweet. It'll give you a nice bonus, 100% bonus uh, with coolbet.com. Um, all right. Well, listen, Reem, I'm fired up. I-, I can't wait for tomorrow. It'll be another great show. We will have a fired up chat room and a lot of people listening on podcasts heading into tomorrow night's game. 
and then we'll see what happens in game two. And of course, the big news coming out of Paul Maurice is that it is there is the potential for Ehlers potentially and Dubois to return to the lineup. And that obviously is good news. You know, even if it doesn't happen in game two, the fact that they've got the win and it is their return is impending um, certainly bodes well for the Jets in their current spot with this one nothing lead in the series. Yeah, I, t- I first of all, I just texted Ken. Thanks for coming on. Glad it worked, even if you had no power. Happy birthday. He says, it's not my birthday, it's a running joke. So I, oh. felt, I felt bad for him for a sec that I didn't say anything. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't sing him happy birthday in low German. That's, yeah, uh, that's thanks everyone in, the chat. In, ch- in chat for saying a happy birthday, Ken, and faking me out. What was the question? Uh, about the Jets? Well, oh, yeah. So people Ehlers, are asking. About- I mean, just this is about Maurice's comments today that potentially we could see for people that are just popping in uh, late, um, a potential return of Ehlers and Dubois for Friday night. Nothing guaranteed, but it is in the mix. And I'm just saying that even if they aren't in on Tuesday, uh, on Friday, the fact that they've already got this win under their belt and worst case scenario, come back tied at one. Um, and the fact that these guys are potentially returning soon, um, it's a good position for the Jets to be in, much better than we thought they might be in going into last night's game one. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, huge to get that first game, especially without Ehlers. And I think maybe you could see Ehlers, Dubois. I'm, I don't think so. But, uh, I mean, Ehlers, he's been close. He's got that uh, non-contact. I mean, Sean said, you know, he hasn't been taking slappers. You don't need to take slappers. You can take take wristers. I mean, so I think it's probably shoulder-ish, you know, separated shoulder or something. That's what we're all speculating. We obviously don't know because it's hockey, and they don't say the injuries unless, you know, maybe yeah. they're mandated. I mean, listen, everyone yeah. saw what happened to him in the Leafs game, and then if you saw what he was doing in practice, jumping up against the boards and practicing to see how his shoulder was taken, <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious what he's dealing no, with right now. No, what they say, upper body? Yeah, up, it, yeah, it's an upper body injury. <laughs> so, yeah, we don't know what it is, but uh, it's pretty clear what it might be. So, I mean, hopefully he's, he's okay. I mean, the legs are working good. That's part of his game, I guess. The concern is with the playoffs, and you had, what, you know, the over 100 combined hits, according to <laughs> the guy who was tr- tracking them yesterday. Uh, you'd have to wonder if he can withstand that. Although you talked to Paul Maurice and Dave Tippett, they said it wasn't that physical of a game. So, uh, I don't know if one's downplaying it or the... Well, the maybe the, the, the hit step. guy has just been used to watching the Jets and Oilers throughout the regular season, and there wasn't a lot of these many hits <laughs> in most games, so um, everyone maybe got a double click when he was hitting it. Not sure. Anyways, yeah. oh, we're going to get saying the... happy birthday to me and Chad's not my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, maybe grab a DQ cake for Rio's birthday, or maybe you can go over to iPhone Benjes. Although Benji's cake party can't happen anymore now because of the new restrictions coming up at 4 o'clock. Too bad. Uh, But stay tuned and follow our Instagram. We'll be doing another contest and probably spinning the wheel as well tomorrow to hook somebody up going into the long weekend. We'll have to figure out how to get all these entries so I can um, type them all into the wheel appropriately. So (laughs) maybe we should find a way to reward people who are in the chat and I can... uh, I can do something. I don't know. Well, you know what? That actually, you know, we will do it. Maybe we'll figure out if we can do the marbles and we'll do it with some of the names yeah. in chat like that. Yeah. I, would, I would love to do that. Marbles point. works with Twitch where you just type in on Twitch that you're in, but it doesn't work with YouTube. So I would have to type them in manually. I, I don't uh, know. Maybe, I might have to test the marble simulator tonight and... Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that because I would love to. I'd love to make that happen. That would be great. The Wheel of Fortune was great, 
but the marble race would be even better. All right, folks, we're going to get these pods up. And uh, I'm actually, if you want more Jets Oilers talk, I'm going to be uh, for the next two days doing the afternoon show on Sports at 960 in Calgary. So that'll be, I guess, live at 4 o'clock Winnipeg time, 4 to 7. So if you want to check that out, do that. I'll be doing it with my pal Pat Steinberg for the next couple days. So I'm going to go get ready for that. Remo, great show today. Shout out to the iPhone for making the Mike Zeisberger interview mm-hmm. happen. And the Zeiss Ken didn't interview. know how to get his work. Well, and yes, and of course, the Ken interview as well. Um, we made it happen. We made it work somehow. We got through it just like the Jets did last night in game one. Cannot wait for tomorrow, folks. We'll be fired up. Uh, we'll get you ready for game number two tomorrow, one o'clock live on YouTube. And again, after work, just click on your favorite podcast feed. That'll be in there 3, 3.30, and you can listen to it as well heading into tomorrow night's game two between the Jets and Oilers. Thanks again to our sponsors, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Assiniboia Downs, Cool Bet, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake Wilderness Lodge, Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, Boston Pizza, and Not Auto Corp. That's going to do it for us. Thanks to Weber and Mike Zeisberger for joining us. Of course, Michael Remus, and to everybody hanging out with us today in the chat great to see you folks have a great night enjoy these games stay home stay safe we're gonna get through this and um we're gonna get ready for that game two tomorrow here on winnipeg sports talk daily have a great night and uh, enjoy these games oh my god oh! shut it down let's go thanks for tuning in to winnipeg sports talk daily Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.